So, uh, I, actually, I've been thinking a lot about this Aldi quarter stuff. Uh, <laughs> oddly enough, I was thinking of, of go ahead and just, uh, uh, you know, grabbing a bunch of quarters and inserting uh, quarters into all the carts at all the Aldis just one Saturday. And I think it's a conviction uh, for me because um, when I go to Aldi, I look for quarters that people left. And I retreat. Farron, you had your chance, no talking. And when I see the quarters people left, I retrieve them on their behalf. So maybe that's why the conviction is to, uh, I don't know, replenish the cart. Uh, I am so, so stoked, so, so excited. Uh, this is our last uh, weekend of, in this series, God Through You. But next week is going to be the big, big weekend where we actually tie, uh, tie everything together and launch something even greater than we even anticipated. And so um, you don't want to miss it. I, um, it's one of those things to where you can't take it back once you miss it. And on video, it's not going to be as anointed. So just <laughs> FYI, make, make plans, uh, please. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We've been in this passage uh, over the last few weeks. This is our fifth Sunday, and we've been talking about certain giftings and in relationship to people, us, you and I, uh, with, in relationship with church and work and purpose and destiny. So if you, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, and if you don't, it's going to be up on the screen. And uh, so here's what it says, and like I said before, we'll be diving into Ephesians uh, probably for the, over the next year more significantly than ever before. Uh, there's so much wealth in the book of Ephesians, and I think it seems like a, um, a launching pad for the next phase and the next season in our church's uh, life. But this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, and he himself, and this is referring to Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son growing into maturity with a stature measured not by our religious work, that's my little input, by, but measured by Christ's fullness which is the opposite of our lack. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So the first verse, the verse 11, the 411, as I like to kind of start calling it, Ephesians 411, the 411 is the gifting that God has given. The God, not just God has just given randomly, but, but Jesus actually breathes. One of the last things that Jesus did uh, before he departed from this earth was he breathed these gifts into his disciples. 
And that is actually what launched the church. And then the Holy Spirit came um, 40 days later on Pentecost and just kind of solidified and empowered what God has already breathed in, what Jesus already has breathed in. So you have the Father who's approving because Jesus does nothing outside his Father. You have Jesus who's giving, and you have the Holy Spirit who just empowered the whole thing. And this is why we have church here and now, thousands and thousands of years later. This is why. Most movements have died down, but the church is thriving. And I know in America it may be hard to, um, to pinpoint because there's like church decline here and there. But I, the thing is this, it's easier to talk about church decline than church growth. And not just church growth in numbers, but people who are waking up to the reality that they're living a pointless, aimless life and they call themselves Christian. The reality where, where they're seeking and searching for God to show up in the midst of their life, not just on Sunday morning in church. Amen. So this reality is people are just waking up across our county, across our city, across our nation. And if you look outside of America, it's actually much more visible than it is in America. Because in America, we have covered a lot of things with religious practices. And religious practices aren't necessarily bad. But if that's all you're doing, then you're deceiving yourself. And you will never have a fullness of Christ living through you and in you and working things and, and launching you into your purpose and destiny. And so we, ha we have begun to reevaluate all that we're doing as a church. And we're going to talk a lot about that next week. But Jesus breathed these gifts. And over the last few weeks, we have been taking one of those gifts at a time and, and figuring out how Jesus showed you know, the gift in the works through one particular story that we've been reading, and that's found in John chapter 4 with the Samaritan woman at the well. And we've, we, we've talked about how Jesus came as an evangelist and, and had dialogue and conversations with her, how, he, how, how we've seen his shepherd heart, his, the shepherd spirit arise with him, how he taught her, how he was prophetic. We talked about that last week. And today I want to tackle and kind of give just enough stirring in our spirit to talk about this, the gift of uh, the uh, apostolic gift. The gift, of, the gift of apostle. And as I said last week, um, the first three, the shepherding, the teaching, the evangelist, it's kind of familiar. And so it doesn't really, it doesn't really you know, it, people don't take it into a mysterious, mystical aspect. But these last two, the prophetic and, uh, and the apostolic, I think have really caused a lot of damage because people don't understand what it really fully is. And a lot of times, in most cases, people have seen a perverted and a uh, messed up, abusive version of these gifts. And the thing of it is, is that a lot of people only associate with abuse of gifts just to these two gifts, so they avoid it. But I'm telling you what, people as humans who are in this world of sin abuse anything and everything that we can. And so we cannot limit it to one thing or another. So now that we have seen the abuse, God has paints us a picture of what it would look like when it's functioning fully. Because one of these gifts, these five gifts, it actually brings Christ and makes him reality in church. Oh, and I can't talk about that, but I will next week. So today, the, the, the concept of Jesus as an apostle. And so before we read John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, just to see how that plays out in that story, uh, a few little characteristics, a few little things about the gift of uh, the apostle. Um, an apostle, if I, how can I say this without being really mean or rude? Um, an apostle loves to start new things. That's it. An apostle comes in, and he's just like, let's start this thing. Let's launch something new. Let's do something different. Let's 
crash the status quo and let's go all in and and they will see a big big vision and they will have some systems in place that they would want to see but in most cases there aren't legs to get the whole thing completely in a very healthy direction so they'll come in they'll start and they'll and they'll be passionate about starting they'll suffer through the beginning stages of it all they'll they'll do a lot of things to see something start from zero to get it working get it going um most companies that are that have been started you can see the apostolic gifting on a person's life any church plant that has been planted any church planting organization from the christian world basically dives into this apostolic because basically what an, uh, an apostle is is the one who is sent and so when god sends an apostle or when the church sends an apostle it's one of those things where here go we're gonna plant a church and we're gonna send you and, and 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 go and get it started and so for some people it's like no let me know whenever you're settled down and then i will come along and join you um, and so that puts the apostle in in a, in, a, in a predicament because he has so much vision and it, unless he sells the vision to those around him to come alongside him or her it doesn't become reality so an apostle is a very very big picture and they are perfect they're, they're at getting things done they will do whatever is required of them in order to move people to commit to this grand big vision that they have you know um and we need those because like companies like apple or microsoft they you know there's smarts behind them but it takes the apostolic gifting to launch something and once you launch something it moves really really slowly and um, not a lot of people have patience for slowness and so the apostle sees it, he, and, and they know that this is going to take some time, but they're ready for it. Because what burns within them is not the matter of, of having everything, you know, working properly, but this concept of eventually seeing something that does not yet exist is so powerful that they can spend years and decades doing something behind closed doors. And then all of a sudden, oh, look at this new business venture. Wow, they just come, came from nothing. It's a miracle. Yesterday I didn't know, and today it's one of the top companies. Yeah. And a lot of times the reason that we have a problem with the apostolic because we have uh, in, in, in churches, and people view, thing, view these gifts differently, but in a lot of churches we've associated these gifts and as the apostolic to be like at the top leader head, and not just the, the top leader, uh, you know, kind of um, in an organization, but also the spiritual leader and someone who can do all of it and, and someone who basically is just like over all of the spiritual growth of the church. And so with, when you give someone so much power over people, they abuse it. And so what, why, what I want to do today is if you've had some bad experiences with people operating in these gifts, or maybe you're questioning this whole thing, um, I, I really just want to kind of bring everything down from the mystical aspect of it so that we can relate with these gifts because these gifts Jesus gave to us. Jesus gave them to us. And if we only limit which gifts we receive, then we are limiting what God can do. And if we're limiting what God can do, then we'll never be fulfilled. So the gift of an apostle, he's the one that, that, 
that comes in and sparks. And, and I love what uh, Farron said, but it's like a sparking of a movement, not just of an organization. You know, Martin Luther King probably is a great, like, uh, an apostle type because he's, he launched a movement. And you can see it. And different characteristics, it, you can see the, this gift operate differently. And like with, these, well, like with these other gifts, you know, let's not be so tied down to the characteristics of the person and maybe the maturity or the lack of a maturity of a person with this gift. But the uniqueness of an apost the apostolic ministry or the gift of an, of an apostle lies in the ability to pioneer something new, something innovative, very, very mission-minded. His style, their style has the ability to oversee the development of other things on a larger, grander scale. Um, it brings also awareness to the concept of being sent, of being on a mission, of being impactful. Um, and it's very specific to its purpose. So as an evangelist, you know, for example, is going to be like, hey, we need to save the whole world, right? The apostolic will, 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 can say the same thing, but instead of saying, hey, we need to save the whole world, they're going to say, we need to save our city. And here's how we can do it. So it's very, very laser focused, and it is about seeing impact versus just doing the deed and just doing their thing. Um, but it's not limited, and that's the beautiful thing about, about, about this, this gifting is that it's not limited to one body. It's not limited to just a specific church. Um, it's, it's, it's about having, the, having seen everything that's happening within your reach and saying, how can we all come together and work? Like, like, like a movement like the AVL Worship Nights. That's a very apostolic kind of a movement because the idea is not just to have certain people come and worship and, and, and hang out. But it's like, how can we get more churches to come together and just worship together? And, and, and in order to, for, for, for that to happen, things have to be suspended. Like leadership has to be kind of, you know, uh, uh, shifted somewhat. You have to invite and involve other people. You're, you're, you're really big in taking a risk. You know, if, if this person comes up to the stage and we're going to open it up for people to come to receive prayer, then we have to risk the fact that someone may come up and be completely weird about it. And so then the, the, the apostolic is like, you know, sure, I'll risk it, you know. And, and maybe a teacher is like, oh, hold on a second. Let me, let's check theologically what they're going to say first. You know, but I was like, you know, let's, let's kind of cuddle and let's kind of see what, what really can happen. But a lot of times when you have like people who are just big, big visionary, they, they see the details, but they see the whole picture as well. So they're very, very 30,000 foot type of a view. And that's what the angle that they, that they, that they carry. That's what, and that's the angle that they have. And the reason they do these things, the reason, the reason they risk is because they desire to see change. If it's abuse, then it's a desire to be maybe acknowledged and maybe seek a title of some sort. But I don't believe that these specifically are title-led per se. It's more of function. It's more of how we're wired. Because when you just have a person who sees the big picture only, and that's all they do, then that's called being having potential. But a lot of times... An apostle can, can lead potential to become reality, but they cannot do it on their own because they see all of it. They see like in this setting, for example, okay, uh, you come in, an apostle will be like looking at the parking lot, what kind of, how cars are parked, for example, 
um, what kind of cars there are, because then triggers on what kind of wealth the church may be in. Some of you are like, really? Well, see, that's probably not your gifting. <laughs> Which is okay, but they'll, but they'll notice these things. They'll, they'll notice when you come in, how does it smell? How does it feel? Are people smiling at me? They're very observant. They'll, they'll come in the, the, you know, like the, the auditorium, and they'll look around. Like, this is too dark. This is too light. Why do they have that light? What about this? And, they're, you know, and then, um, and why is the floors like this? I don't understand. Why is the seating? Or I like this, or this is really cool, or whatever. And they're, and, and, and they're not... They're not just coming into an environment looking for these things. They're just like, and, it, and it's not always like a critical, like, you know, but they're always thinking of how can I change this? How can I make this better? How can I come in and, and, and take what you're doing and make it even like go even further? So it's not always like, I want to come in and I want to do everything myself type of a mindset, but it's just always trying to enhance and move wherever they are. So then whenever an apostle kind of comes in, they're going to come in and, and they're going to be like, hey, let's do something. Hey, why are you doing this? Hey, why are you doing that? What about this? What about that? And they're always just trying to be engaging because they want to shift things. But so to, back to my analogy, they'll come in, they'll, 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 they'll look at all the lights, they'll look at this, they'll be like, okay, these seats, why are they red? That's interesting. Oh, they have it laid out like this, huh? I didn't expect that. You know, I thought there was going to be like this, this, this. Okay. And they sit down. Like, okay, this is pretty comfortable. What's my space like? All right. Um, the video, what's the content in the video? You know, like, okay, is it too loud? Is it too quiet? You know, are people worshiping? Are they just here? And, and all these things. And you may think, like, how the heck do you know these things? Yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, why is this like this? Why couldn't Galen move, move it further? <laughs> Why are these cables on the stage and not under the stage? And, and so, so whenever, you, you, you walk, whenever you talk about these things with someone, they're going to look at you and be like, dude, what about worship? What about the Lord? What about his presence? And what's crazy is these things, they are, they, they, they are a big deal, but it doesn't replace stepping into God's presence. This is not a thing like until you fix this, I cannot worship type of a mindset. Because when you go into worship, there's a whole other thing that you get into. You're like, okay, I like this song, or the band is off, or the drummer is like off rhythm, or it's, or, or, or it's too much reverb, or what's going on with this, you know. So they have to process through, through kind of a lot, you know, but it doesn't mean that that keeps them from, um, from worshiping. And whenever I talk about it, it seems like it consumes so much time, but in reality, those are thoughts. All this happens in seconds. And because it happens in seconds, a person can come in, and if they're mature enough, they can suspend all the things that distracts them and enter the presence of God and just worship all out. But then once they're done worshiping, they're like, okay, Maria, so I don't understand. Why did he say this? Why was this happening? Why, what about doing it this way? I like this. I don't like this. And so your wife is saying, like, dude, you just need to get with God and just want to just worship, man. And just, just don't think about it and talk about it. But uh, because all of these things is important. But the, 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 the thing is that, just because they see all these things, and they can, you know, they can probably go in and enhance all those things, they're not the best gifted to be over all those things. So part of an, an apostolic kind of gifting is to, be able to, is to bring people together, to rally people together, and not just to throw them and, and, and say, do a task, do this task, do this task, do, do, do this task. Um, and even though some, you know, like people and just all cross with all the giftings, you know, if it's, if it's so much about the mission, then you lose the value of people and, and the whole concept of humanizing people and not just giving them tasks. But, uh, but a, a mature apostle is going to look at people and he's going to try to connect. Here's the mission that we have. 
have, and, and you're on board with the mission. How are you gifted? How are you wired? And would you fit in here, or would you, or would you fit in there? You know, and then if, if they fit in here and you're working with them, now you're looking, how can you fit this spot to this? How can you make this piece work with this piece? And, and you're like looking at all the, like this big stuff. And so in one sense, you're very specific, very particular of how things should be. But at the same time, when you bring other people into the mix, you're okay suspending your expectation and allowing people to come in and then step into it in their own way to make something happen. Because the idea is not to, to do it in a certain way, but the idea is to have it done. And as you're having it done, you're empowering people to step into and be in a place where they feel, they feel fulfilled and they feel fed and they're enjoying the process. And that is a beautiful thing whenever it's done in the right way. But then again, when you're missing the shepherding gift in the church and things move into task orientation. And like I said a few weeks ago, then people become just ways of moving the mission forward and you lose sight of the most precious gift, is the, which is the person. Because like I said this, this is powerful to get with all these gifts. See, God has gifted each one of us with one of these gifts as a, a primary gifting. But here's the thing, once we begin to step into it assess it, evaluate it, grow in it, then it's not that you go into a church to use your gift because all of a sudden your gift is you. And so then when you enter any group of people, any company, any church, then you become the gift. And you're not just coming to use your gift. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a stunning picture because all of a sudden there's purpose in people's lives. And whenever there's purpose in people's lives, then all of a sudden they're going to see God in so many different ways. And they're going to be filled with hope to such an extent that even a quarter, leaving a quarter in a cart is going to be like not a fluke, not an accident. And the quarter can run more miles than even $1,000 in a person's life. Because this is not about function in a sense of I'm going to do this thing. But this is about stepping into what God has already created you to be. And whenever, whenever you're on people who, are, who don't think like this, what happens is they kind of, they try to hone you down. They try to give you like a little bit of calm down. Because that's what we try to do. We try, we, we see everybody through our lens. And so we try to get them to become more closer to how we are. And this goes all the way around. And so I, I just want to encourage you to completely step into your gifting. Completely step into how you're wired. Because there's need for that. You have a place for that. The Bible says that the gift will make a way for you. But if you, know, if you don't know what it is, if you've not come head to head with it, if you're not developing, if you're not working, if you're not confident in it, if it's not fueled by the Spirit of God, then you'll be gifted. But the world will not make room for you and then you'll just leave life and have your all your potential with you a lot of apostolic, uh, uh, the apostolic gifting is in the, un, uh, in the entrepreneurial aspect visionary thinking it's about motivation it's about uh, it's about crossing boundaries not just spiritual boundaries in the sense of you know um, with people's salvation, but intellectual boundaries, social boundaries, 
You know, you can, you can place a mature apostle into any context, and that, and that person will figure out and know how to be in the right context. Some immature ones, they only have their own way, and, and, and whenever they walk into to an environment, they're so self-seeking, self-serving, and they may not even realize it, but all of a sudden, everything revolves around them. And so it creates like this, like, hold on a second, you're too much. So maybe a lot of people that were too much in your life are just people who are trying to figure out this gifting in their life. But it's a beautiful thing to watch when someone is walking and maturing that because this is where a lot of things have happened. This is why a lot of movements have happened. This is why a lot of things even have been invented, you know. And the thing of it is, the fuel behind this is always, this is what I said in the beginning, it's not just about, you know, uh, you know for them, the fuel, the energy is to, the concept of starting something new. And whenever things begin to kind of move in a predictable pattern, a lot of times the apostles will be like, right, my work is done. And they move on. And so a lot of times, you have apostles who can't stay in a single church because they feel like they did not start the church, they don't have complete control or authority in the church. And so either they're doing something like at the forefront of it or, they, or they're not in it at all. And I think that, that is like the hardest place to be because we have limited a gifting just to a position, just to this thing of, of having control or just, you know, I cannot be part of anything because all I want to do is start something and start something and, something and start something, even though that's very vital. Because Bible says, I mean, God as God, he says, he, what he does is new every single day. So God's working in the apostolic every single day because it's always new. His anointing is always new. What he has for you is always new. It's always fresh. It's not stale. It's not just, you know, a cookie cutter. You're into the Christian walk now, so this is what you do. And you're just, all right, I'm going to wobble in, wobble out. Flip the Bibles, get on my knees, and wobble, wobble, wobble. And so God, no, there's something fresh, something new. So in essence, we all want internally that freshness, that newness. And so whenever you're desiring something like that, you may not be gifted for that, but if you begin to figure out and associate your, yourself with people who think like that, who are wired like that, you're going to realize that they're going to give you energy. And so whenever you're down being around certain people, you, they're going to begin to kind of lift you up because that's just how they think. That's just how they, they process. It's all about new adventures. It's always about going and getting something. It's always about risking something. It's, all, it's always about being innovative and, and, and creating solutions for certain things. It's, it's always about challenging the status quo, seeing, seeing things holistically, and, and also seeing the whole picture as a whole, as well as seeing individual parts functioning and working. And even me talking about it, for some of you are like, oh, that's just giving me a headache. And that's fine. But for some of you, you're sitting there like, that's me. That's me. That's me. And that's why you can't stay in the same job for more than three years. <laughs> and some of you, maybe you came and stay in a church for more than three months. Or in a city even sometimes. People just move, move, move. And... And, and then that may be a factor to it. I mean, maybe it's work-related. Is it making sense to anybody? Is it connecting at any level? Or is anyone identifying with anything of, um, of what has been kind of said uh, this morning? So the story we've been reading with this woman at the well, the 
the Samaritan woman at the well. And what's really interesting with this apostolic, how, how it works is you see Jesus. Um, so, so John, John chapter 4, we've been in this story. And, um, and I, I, I won't even have the time to read it, but I want to make a connection of how an apostle, God will use an apostle to, to, to just do things like, like this. So you have Jesus is talking, John chapter 4, right? What's the woman's name? We don't know. She's just known as the Samaritan woman who was at the well. So we know that she was Samaritan, and we know she was a woman, right? And we don't even have her name. And Jesus completely is absorbed within her life and in her, and in her conversation. Now, if you peel back and pull, push, go back one chapter, chapter 3, John chapter three sixteen. We all know that, right? For God so loved some people that he gave um, angels. No, but we know that John 3.16 concept, right? That he, but that, that whole thing that, he, that, that we, we know by heart was actually part of a conversation. Now, in chapter 3, Jesus is with a teacher and a rabbi, a religious person. And it says, if, we, if you read John chapter 3 verse 1, it says, There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night. And said, Rabbi, we know that you are a great teacher. He acknowledges his teaching, who has also come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So you see this beautiful picture from in one chapter. There's this rabbi who's a Jewish leader who's sneaking in to get an audience with Jesus. He's going, he's chasing Jesus, a well-known person, and he's named, and he's a male, and he's a Jew, the best of the best, right? And then in the next chapter, you see Jesus, who's with a woman who has no name given in Scripture, and she's not Jewish. And she's not Roman. She's a Samaritan. She's, she's like, from the, from, in Jesus' context, from the most loved, respected, adored, followed to the worst, the least, avoid them by every means necessary. And we don't see Jesus treating this person in a, the Jewish leader, the Pharisee, in a better way than he's treating her but he but as an apostle as the gifting he is able to move from being in this context in this environment to moving into this context and in, and become and being the, the answer to this woman at the well because that's what he his mission his overall mission he says that it is not to have jew or gentile it is so that people, so that we, when we say yes to Jesus, we become part of his kingdom. We become his children, and our nationalities become secondary items, secondary things. So in Christ, there's, not, there's neither male nor female. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. And in Christ, there is no you're a woman, so that you know, you're less, you're a man, you're more. And as far as Jesus is concerned, and what the apostle does is he brings value to all humanity, and then and it creates a plain, uh, a leveled playing field for all. And he knows how to reach into this religious pocket and also reach into this religious pocket and then make everybody mad in this pocket and then make everyone mad in this pocket and then make those closest to him be like, Jesus, we're so confused. What in the world is going on? So it's like he is needed and he's able to contribute, but he's also able to challenge. And this gifting is like, it's like it's just a mission of there's something else in play. 
And so when you, when you come to church, when you're part of this, you know, come to church on Sunday, and for some people, the music is great, maybe the message is great, maybe the coffee was great, the people are great, but the, the apostolic is more like, what is the point of all this? What is the purpose of all this? And the purpose of all this is so we can come in the presence of God and be touched and be ministered by God. And to watch people live out the purpose that God has for them. So it's a beautiful, a beautiful picture. And it's needed because it takes a lot of sweat and tears to start something new. And that's why a lot of people don't start anything new. And I, and I talked to, to pastors about some of the things that we, we, that we were trying to do when we started and even the things that we're trying to do right now. And, 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 and people tell me, hey, has this ever been done before? And I'm like, well, no, not that I know of. Then why are you doing it? And I'm like, why aren't we doing it? You know, you, so you, say you flip everything completely opposite. So, now, moment of truth. Moment of truth. Now, these last few weeks, uh, like, hear, 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 hear my heart. Like, I've just barely scratched the surface. And I hope that over the last five weeks, you were stirred even a little bit and curious enough to take another step. And we're going to give you guys another step next week. And next week, everything's going to come together and tie in, and, um, and amazing things are going to launch and happen next week. But for today, and over the last few weeks, we've been asking, I've been asking to see if we identify with, with the gifting. And so, um, first question is, is there anybody here that you can kind of relate and identify with what, what we're talking about today? Raise your hand. All right. Now, are you, is there people here that you know someone in your circle, your friends or family, that you're like, that's who they are? Raise your hand. Okay. Are there anybody here who you're like, I know nobody that's like that? <laughs> so you see, what's beautiful about this is, is, um, is that over the last five weeks, we have been talking about something powerful that Jesus himself has given us. And, and we've been raising our hands over the last five weeks trying to see where we fit in, how, what we identify with. And for some of you, you, have a, you, you identify with certain aspects of it, but maybe not other aspects. For some of you, you identify with more than one, maybe even, even a few. And there's maybe created a lot more even questions about what we've been talking about, and I'm glad. Maybe some of you are like, you nailed it right on, and this is it, and this is like glorious. And I'm just telling you that that's still scratching the surface of what God has, what God, what God wants to do through your gifting, through you, and about your purpose and your destiny. So, with that being said, um, this role, and I even, even read, go read John chapter 4. Reread the story of the Samaritan woman at Toel through the lens of, of, of the apostle Jesus. And as you read this, and let me ask you this, just, just out of curiosity, as you guys read this passage over and over through these different lenses, are, are different things coming to light as you read through it? That's good. That's good because, because when we begin to look at the whole thing as a whole, um, God, God's word is not like stale where we read it once like a novel and then we're done. Watch the movie once, twice, maybe a few times, and then you're like, no, God's word is like it comes alive and you're like, whoa. And then you read the same thing again over and you're like, whoa. And then three years later, you're reading the same passage and you're like, whoa. 
And that makes what God has for you, what God has for me, that is the life that he wants for us, where we're always surprised, where we're always impressed, where, we, where, where, where it's not always clear, but our goal is clear, our destiny is clear, our wiring is clear, and, and then, then you, you're in a place where you're like, God, what's next? God, what's next? Because when you become the answer to the problems, you'll be sought out after. People will be drawn to you, not for you, but for the God in you. And whenever we, we walk like that, things are going to change. Environments are going to change. Schools are going to change. Restaurant atmospheres are going to change. Everywhere you go, things are going to be changing and shifting. And people may not know what it is, but, they're gonna, but, but, but you'll know that you're walking in the gifting and in the destiny that God has for you. And there's going to be something about the way you walk. There'll be something about your posture. There'll be something about how you speak. There's going to be something about your confidence. Because when you know where you're going, you're not guessing your way through it. It's, there's this boldness, there's this confidence that, that we just kind of like embody.